0: Up, guys how you doing today shout out to my boy damien de stefano uh over the moon clothing Moonrags with a z dot com you want to check that out you know that was really cool that i thought um to lead in and i thank my friend mike morse um for joining early on in, the, in this pandemic but just to show you what he's all about and, and just here at the end what he said was he's not waiting for other people for, for actions. Um, he, when he started the business, people followed, him. whatever you can say what you want to me. I want everybody to know. I saw it in the news this morning that his obviously business, uh, was going to get government funding $2 million actually. And he gave it back. He's leading by example. I saw an interview. Uh, he said that, you know, in these times, uh, we're fortunate and we think it's right because some small businesses out there that can't survive and can't, uh, in these times, keep going, it's going to go to them. And I, I just think that that's, I always talk about my heart, virtue, and the vulnerable truth and integrity. That's right there what grind time is all about. So I'm going to say, Nick Nooch, on the other end, What's that up, Mike Morris is DMAX. What's going on? Hi, hi guy
1: of the day now yeah, dude yeah wow. i saw that stuff on uh i saw that stuff on mike this morning i thought it was pretty awesome i mean a lot of bigger companies are are taking that money and i don't know if it's because they're getting a lot of bad press or whatever but the thing with mike that i think is different from everybody else is the fact that he has not laid off any employees because of this and i think that speaks total you know volumes to mike for sure man
0: yeah, and one more thing before we uh, introduce our guest today. It was a pleasure. I'm uh, uh, excited to talk. And I know because I see your Crestwood friggin' varsity jacket that this must be one of your homies that knows you from back in high school. So I, in, dude. I, I love this. Catch up. Look, look at you. Hey, do you that bit? Does it fit? Does it fit? Yeah, it fits.
1: It looks – I don't know if this was mine to begin with. I'm not really sure how I found it or got it, but uh, yeah, man, I'm like repping Crestwood um, for uh, Mr. Peroni here.
0: I like it. Hold on. So with Mike Morrison, and if you watch the commercial where they play the Brady Bunch, where they hand the check down and they go, I've, I've seen all those people in the office. So that, you know, Jamie's legit and Tim's legit and all those people are legit. And, to me, here at Grind Time, I just want to be able to facilitate to you the people that, you know, you might live around or that we need to know a little bit better. And Mike Morris, I'm proud to call him my friend and and what he's done for this community. And uh, that's the guy that I want to be involved with. So, uh, whoever played that before, good job. I'm going to give that to you, David or uh, Angel sitting there. I don't know who's back there, but I appreciate all you guys, Jess and Mike and um Maz miss you and uh, Clarence and I miss every of the kids in there and uh, hopefully we get back some semblance. Looks like uh everything goes well in a couple of weeks. But uh, uh we to have this guy we're doing a, uh two segments today. So wanna to introduce the head coach of the Detroit City Football Club women's team, Mr. Sam Tarani. Sam, thanks for joining us.
2: Uh thanks for having me. It's been it's an honor, pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Well, it's unfortunate, bro, because we both have to admit we know Nick Nooch. So, uh, um, why don't you uh, – I'll let you start it off, bro, because uh, you guys went to high school together. Why don't you, why don't you talk – so, I'm – here. Let's talk about um, – I got a lot of questions like uh, – so let's start out how, about getting a job uh, as the football. Explain to everybody out there who didn't know that Detroit had a women's football team. Um, I knew that we had a men's football team because I saw your scarf there, and I think I have marched in one of those in Berkeley before I dropped up. So I love it. But uh, talk a little bit about the football club where you play out of uh, –
2: You know what's happening with moving forward with the pandemic and stuff. Yeah, for sure. No, so basically, this is going to be the first would have been the first summer that uh, Detroit City is uh, having a women's team. Um, It's still currently it's at hold, but it's not a complete no. Uh, We're still potentially going to have a season. Might be a short. um, There will be a season. Is the plan. Uh, But how it came about was um, kind of unique because. Detroit City Football Club in general, the men's team, they've been around since 2012 and had like a super fast track to where they currently are. They're now a professional status team, uh, getting anywhere from five to 8,000 fans at a match, um, which is bigger than than most in lower level or lower league soccer um, around the U.S. and even comparable to some of the MLS teams in the top division as far as attendance. So, um they, they've done a fast track to that. And about uh two years ago, uh, my youth club that I was that I'm with, which was uh, Canton Celtic out of Canton, Michigan, uh became Detroit City Youth. And uh through that, um kind of just communication and, and, and conversations about eventually having a women's team, uh came to life a lot faster, I think, for everybody. And uh last, year, last summer at a men's match At halftime, they did a massive announcement that the following year, they're going to put out a a women's semi-pro team. Um, We had over 500 of our youth players there in attendance on the female side. So at halftime, the whole stadium um, kind of paid attention to the middle of the field. And we had 500 plus kids uh, for the announcement. And then through that, I kind of spoke with the ownership as far as helping with them, guide them or help them any way possible to find the proper coach. team forward and uh got a call back asking me to put my name in the ring by the ownership so after much communication and uh scheduling looking it out and talking to the wife and the kids and the family um it was something we definitely thought was a was it would have been a good experience for me and something that i think i can help uh, push forward uh, on the women's side so uh, got the job took it Um, since then slowly building a roster. And then all of a sudden this uh, coronavirus hits. So we've been at a standstill, but through this we've we've met up and via Zooms and, and had uh, rosters being built. So our, our team is almost finalized and now we're just the waiting game for us. So talk, there,
0: there, you know, a couple of things come to my mind because it is the first year. So I was like, phew, I'm not that far out of the loop. Uh, as far right. as uh, it's, the, it's the first year. But, um, you know what, to me, do you look at it like a detriment because of this uh, pandemic or it might give you more time to recruit more players or to see maybe more talent out there or maybe even sponsorship-wise? Um, you know, has that crossed your mind? Or what? what's the positive that you as the coach in this situation with the new team out of this pandemic?
2: Yeah, no, I, um, that's a good question. So going into a first year as like, uh, an inaugural team in, in an already established division, which this, the league that we're playing, is called the UWS the Women's Soccer League. Um, there's been a team out of Ann Arbor, another team that's kind of local to Detroit that played out of Pontiac. Um, Brighton area, Lansing, and then a couple of, so it's already a development um, league. And uh, for us to come in every year, a franchise team always struggles with the adaptation of the league and the travel. Um, I think we have a little bit of upper hand because I've been around the league, so I know how it is also because our our fan base. Um, I think uh, a lot of the teams that we play are looking forward to come to Keyword Stadium in in Hamtramck um, for an away match them and a home match for us just because of the the game day experience is, is out of control and not um, not what a lot of people get to see in, in this division or in this league so um, the fact that we're on hold I think is I mean obviously we're all anxious and wanting to get out there but I think this hold kind of helps me prepare uh, for everything um, so if we do get out there this summer we'll still be delayed and I'll still be probably a little bit more prepared but if it were to hold off and go to the following year I think disappointing that we weren't able to get out but also the positive um can we build off what we've done with the consideration of not even being together um and I think uh some of the players that we have on the roster have played professionally in Europe or played high level division one football uh, soccer um or currently playing division one soccer and all of them have said as far as their feedback right now is that you know our organization is different than anything they've dealt with uh, because of how professional we are, and we're treating this, even though it's a semi-pro kind of gig for the summertime, um, the, the the demeanor, or I guess the culture that I'm trying to create is that it's going to be in a professional environment that um, majority of people want to be a part of, so the players that are committed now know they have to fight for their spot on the roster, and if there was a hold and we don't play, I, I mean, it's almost like a clean slate, and I get to rebuild the roster, but it doesn't guarantee anything, so uh, the potential of getting new players in uh, is there. Um, and it's just it's exciting to see because we've already had um, a lot of people reach out about our club and we haven't even played a match yet. We had uh, we had over seventy uh, over seventy players try out the first at our first tryout at the end uh, beginning of January, uh, which was you know we were expecting twenty, thirty people, we had over seventy ladies try out. So already just from being a part of Detroit City and being connected that way, Um, there's already been a big buzz around the women's side. So just anxious, I guess, right now. Uh, But trying to find the pod event that we don't play is definitely a challenge, but there is some for sure.
0: Dude, you can – look at me. Look at me, Nick. Why am I doing that? Because Sam said my favorite word when we're talking about sports in Detroit. And you're looking out there and going, what sports in Detroit? They all suck. So that's what I'm going on, and I'm going no, because you said culture, the culture you're trying to create, something that's different. I want to ask you about your roster that you're trying, you know, because I, I don't, you mentioned some professionals that have played from college. What are the age ranges of the players that you have, and also to talk more about about, because uh, to me, the fact that you say Detroit Women's Football Club that. It goes to the uh, European League to the uh, Premier League, it goes to you know the way the fans are there. That's you know, the scars remind me of that. Is that the like the tailgating because it's not really tailgating, but it is tailgating. But the energy around in Hampton around what you're trying to do, there's the culture blend of it. Can you express? Not only that, from inside the team to specific players, maybe, to um, what people experience and why you even said visiting teams like to go play with.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so as far as the roster building, um, um, in order for me to build a roster from scratch, I'm going to need some experienced players. Uh, and and meaning by, by that, I mean even post-college. But typically this league is um, – Anywhere from seniors in high school, so 17, 18-year-old, all the way up, really there's no age limit to not play. But the typical uh, player in this uh, league is a freshman through senior in college. Uh, It's basically their off-season to stay sharp going into their following year in in college. Um, There is a professional division above us um, that I'm going to try to use as a stepping stone for those players that that aspire to get past just this level and get into a higher level. So ultimately my, my goal as far as building a roster and, and the culture that I'm trying to create is competitiveness at all times. Um, and we're willing to, to host players that aren't just necessarily local players. I, I would love to stay with the community and stay local, but uh, like you said, this sport is worldwide and there's people that have heard about us from all over that uh, showed interest. So I'm definitely going to entertain that. Um, but ultimately the, it's not about the one player. It's about how, the 30 or 40 players on my roster can help us get to the ultimate goal of trying to win the title. So um, I can only have 18 players dressed for a match, uh, but my pool is right now between 30 and 40 players. So the competitiveness at training is is where I want it to be, um, and I want and I, as I told the ladies, I want my job to pick my my 18 players to be difficult, and that stems from your guys' um, training habits and what I'm trying to implement. Um, and my expectations now through all that I have to even reach out to the, some of the big time D1 schools and talk to their coach about my plan with their player, because ultimately they don't want them to be overplayed in such a small window, but they also want them to get um, proper amounts of, of touches on the ball or fitness so um, I'm creating, you know, a, a schedule that if you happen to play in a match that following day the ones that didn't play you'll have either a, we call it a reserve match. Or you'll have an extra an extra session while the ones that played are going through a recovery session. So again, the atmosphere the culture I'm trying to create is not just a, oh show up to training uh, for two hours and then leave and then don't see each other until the weekend. Uh, We want to be together five out of the seven days in the week during the season, with three of those being training, one of them being maybe a a, a tape tape day or recovery day or just a a team meal, Um, and then obviously the matches on the weekend. So. that's the culture I'm trying to create, and it, it seems like people are buying into it, which is great. But as far as the the, the club culture, um, like I said, twelve years or uh, 2012, they started the thing and uh, the the men's side, and they had a couple hundred people turn up to a match, and, and all of a sudden, um, it grew by the end of the year to like just about a thousand, give a give or take, some games more, some games less. But the atmosphere during the match is like you said over in Europe, where they Stand for night. They call themselves the Northern Guard supporter group, and it's probably the best supporter group, arguably in the, in, in the nation as far as support, travel to matches to watch their team play away, um, show up hours before the before a match at, at at a venue, and from there march together to the stadium. So if you look over in Europe, they do that quite a bit. Um, you don't see that often here. Uh, and then they for 90 minutes, uh, the, the length of the match, they're they're on their feet, they're chanting, they're they're hopping, they're dancing. They have a song for a coach. They have a song for the players. They do things for the refs. I mean, they, they give it to everybody who's there. Um, they got a few songs the
0: coach I'm sure they got a What's few that? songs for the coach, depending on how the game's going. Um, yeah, 100%. One of the things is, where did your love of soccer come from? And, and obviously, I can tell somebody taught, like, you don't – Get this! Um, it's a learned. I, I understand. It. I'm I'm locked up with you every sense of the way about what you're trying to build there. It's it's exactly what the Red Wings are trying to do. It's exactly what we had back with the team uh, why we won cups. But where does your love and maybe are there some influential people like were you a soccer player or what makes Sam Perani? And you can't lose your job right now. Um, I, sure. mean, I expect so. The coach of the uh, uh, the Detroit uh, uh, football club. Where, where did your love come from?
2: Uh, that's that one's easy because my father played over in Italy when he was younger before he came to this country, um, and then he's always had a passion for it. So for me growing up, that's all I played. I, I was able to play in the in the neighborhood with other sports. Um, I, it's sad to say I don't know how to skate on ice, but I could throw in some rollerblades and, and hit some
0: – I don't you know, either. I don't <laughs> either. No, I just make – don't worry about it. you just freaking fake that's it to make making. Uh, For sure. Uh, be really good uh, before you continue is because you're looking – not only the competition hit me because our practices with all the Hall of Fitness was tougher than the games, but also, too, if you got the cog in the wheel – Right, where you need that one defender that you can count on to do that one thing. Man, that's your player. You don't need somebody to do that job to do five jobs. You need one. And it's sorta of like I I I learned that and trying to apply it with our grind time family and life. Nick's the only one in the family that can wear more than one hat. I know he's a lot smarter than he was when you when you grew up with him, Stan, but <laughs>
1: No, uh, gonna, but, you know i, I toss i to everything he
0: knows. You want him to finish uh um we'll have you back for knuckle up you'll be perfect cause it, it, you, it'll be great but i want you to finish on about the influence you dad and it's uh you're born with the love and um and then we'll get into then we'll get into uh stories about nick growing up and shit
2: oh can't wait all right perfect yeah so um yeah, so my dad, uh, you know, he's the one that introduced it to me. I always had a ball in my foot, you know that cliche of it. Grew up with it, but it was it was true. The fact to the point where on Sundays, uh, that's when matches were played over in Italy, where instead of going to mass with my mom and my sisters, he would throw me in his car and we would drive over across the border to Windsor to a little Italian cafe, going to the basement where all I remember is pool tables and clouds of cigar smoke and one big TV, and just got to watch the one game that was satellite sent over from Italy. So every Sunday, ever since I was young, I'd watch matches from Italy um, and it just kind of stuck with me. And then eventually it grew here and I played at the highest level you could possibly play as far as youth. Um, I, I dipped my toes in the professional game before injury. I even was able to kick the ball around over in Italy for a little bit. So the passion um, stemmed from my dad, but just the fact that I I, uh, I would say that when I was probably eight, I got moved to a team that was probably considered the best in the state or the best club in the state at the time. And I was with them from eight to 18 and just super competitive traveling around the, the U S um, playing against the best of the best and, and still being considered one of the, the best teams um, after those weekends away. So, uh, I think the competitiveness of it and being able to compete while the level was so going um, to college and, and then further. But um, my father was, the number one man for me as far as why I played the sport or why I was involved and then once the injury hit I got into the restaurant business for a little bit but I, I mean like I said my passion was the sport so eventually I got back to coaching and I actually started my first coaching job was going back to good old Crestwood High School and being the, uh, the coach of the varsity team there boys and girls so I went back to the alumni um, kind of dipped my toes in coaching there and from there I kind of like I mean, not young cliche, but I, you know, I spread my wings and started coaching a lot more and and higher level, and and uh, then all of a sudden now I'm coaching a semi-pro women's team, potentially in front of eight thousand people, which is amazing to be. Well,
0: and it's it's and it's awesome because I can say this is that, I, and as a parent of kids and, and between sixteen and twenty six or whatever, I don't care what age they are, is what sport they play. Is I want you as their coach because it's about it's about the life skills and all that stuff. How about as a coach out there, telling parents who have uh, you know, younger, maybe going into high school, maybe. Some aspir- maybe they play travel, some aspirations of maybe playing higher level soccer. Is there a, is there a tip in the soccer world um, or like from the coach, like what would you say is the most important thing for younger kids? Because for me, if they asked me about hockey, i tell them playoff sports. The hockey guy, soccer came into the dressing room at the two-touch. Uh, we had to turn it into an elimination game. So it was like two-touch dodgeball soccer is. um yeah, yeah. Kick and try to you know if you could knock dates in the head it was good but what's some advice coach coach advice out there for some uh younger kids
2: um that's that's awesome we just actually with the so i'm also a technical director for the detroit city uh west which is the Canton base out of detroit city youth and i i come i help come up with the curriculum for the whole youth and, and you know i i have ideas with my coworkers as far as what's what do we need to do to help the youth players get to that next level and although we're competing at the highest we can in the in the area um, a lot of things that we do off the field we do media room stuff where we're doing college presentations for like maybe the eighth graders going in eighth graders freshmen and sophomores Uh, that's the target age for them to start the recruiting process because Back when we played in any sport, the recruiting process to go to college was a lot different than it is now as far as going to a, a tournament weekend and being uh, you know, scouted and then being addressed from that scout. Now it's you got to kind of sell yourself and do a little bit more legwork leg on your own. So my advice to the kids is make sure that you do your research on the colleges that you want to attend. And from there, um, sending out a, an email showing interest and maybe offering your schedule for the year for the coach to come and watch. Um, goes a long way on top of the club itself. Just offering college showcase events that we go to. We'll travel across the U.S. with our top teams and, and go to college showcases only for the where those events aren't even uh, final or winner based. It's just you go, you do three matches and then you leave. But in those three matches, the spectators are your parents and college coaches. So you're we're doing our part to get you in front of them, and then they, the player themselves got to do their part as far as introducing. Because nowadays, um, a lot more clubs, there's a lot more youth clubs, and there's a lot more kids that want to go play college. So if I were to say, hey, University of Michigan's here, um, there's also 10 games going on at the same time you play. So the chance that they're coming to watch you is slim unless you reached out and done and did some communication on your end. So that's kind of uh, how we are right website, now.
0: Is there a website that uh, – people can get a hold of you or that are interested in starting the program or whatever over in Canton?
2: Yeah uh DCFc com.
0: I can even remember that dcfcyouthwest.com. dot Youth. com
2: yeah
0: all right give me a her we got a few we got we got a minute left give me an embarrassing Nick Muoch growing up story
2: oh my goodness man it's been probably since graduation since we last saw each other and I honestly it's, want yeah, to
0: say
2: Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. Was he an ass slapper in high school? That's all I got to know. Was he an <laughs> ass slapper? <laughs> he tore his butt, I told him it's because he slapped ass. You got to watch out that guy. It's,
1: that's no, that's but, how we do it, man.
2: Yeah, I would say if there was an embarrassing story, chances are I don't remember it because we probably weren't on our best behavior when it happened. But, um, um right. Newt- you're done. Honestly, you're Newt- I don't Nothing comes out as far as you've done something super embarrassing for me to stand out. I mean, again, it could have been a weekend where we were at one of those parks or parking lots, <laughs> and uh,
1: yeah, there some... was there was definitely some parking lots in there. Dude, I got a great, oh, a funny story about about Sam. We were oh. I got I played a little bit of soccer. I barely knew what I was doing, and uh, you guys were playing in, in an bro. indoor, it, in it, and an indoor to to soccer, to soccer to league.
0: It. Danucci. fuck. What? You're supposed <laughs> to telling, man. you're fucking supposed to be born with a soccer ball.
1: I'm not – okay, I played for, you know, 10, 11 years or whatever it was, 12 years. But listen, so we were playing indoor. I think it was at Total Sports. I think I subbed in on the team. And we were playing somebody, and things got a little heated. I remember our, our uh, mutual buddy, Joel zinski who's just an absolute teddy bear. Um, yeah. I had gotten into it with a couple people out there. And I remember your boot, man. I remember you, just how hard you would kick the soccer ball. And it was one of these things where we just kind of like, all right, let's watch Sam. Let's watch him. He's going <laughs> to rip shots at people and get the hell out of the way. That was like one of my favorite, my favorite soccer moments, moments with, with you. Man. Remember- but it's, it's been awesome to, awesome to see you for sure.
2: Yeah, no, it's great to see you. I hopefully we but yeah, I remember one, those indoor games with Joel and, and the and the crew from Dearborn Heights, there's a couple of, like cocky players on the other team, and my the way I would do it, I was just like, all right, just kind of just stand right there, and see what happens, you know, like if they committed a foul they they'd try to be a fuck and get in front of me <laughs> as like a wall, and I'm like, all right, and I would just go head hunting rather than try to score, and I probably shattered a nose or two, but um, yeah, man, this this fight, <laughs> it's been, a it's an been you know. <laughs> it's been a long yeah, time, Sam. I,
0: and- I mean, it, I would expect that you only had to do it a few times. There's always yeah, that man. Stupid I- guy, though, that just, you know. That's well, you, we were- my cousin Robbie. That's my cousin Robbie. Hopefully he's not watching this because he, he, he. Hey, I watch his video online and he's picking up cement things. I'll get him on here. But anyway, thank you to the women's football team, Sam Thanks for joining us. DCSC What's that website again? www.dcfcyouthwest.com. All right, man. Uh, we'll see you down at the game. Hope you're in your back. Thanks for joining us. Great catching up. Be uh, back. We'll be back in a few. I gotta roll over.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure. Yeah.